The following podcast episode is brought to you by An Evening at the Movies and its month-long celebration that is Halloween Horror Fest 2021. Halloween, Child's Play, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, The Universal Monsters, Psycho, and so much more. All horror, all month long. Sit back and enjoy, because this is what we have all came to enjoy. This is An Evening at the Movies, Halloween Horror Fest 2021. Welcome, 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 and once you've been welcomed three times over, I will welcome you again. This is An Evening at the Movies, and I am your incredibly excited host, Casey, as this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down sodas and discuss the movies that we all know and love and are incredibly passionate about, and as always, we are into week two of An Evening at the Movies Halloween Horror Fest 2021, which means more horror all the time. So, basically, <clears throat> Halloween Horror Fest, for those of you who are just now tuning in for the first time, we're going to spend the entire month looking at the phenomenon that is the horror movie genre. Last week, we welcomed in the queen herself, Her Royal Highness Amanda Kohlhofer, and she and I discussed the 1978 John Carpenter classic, Halloween. And then I followed that up with a solo episode into a discussion about the original child's play that introduced the entire world to the phenomenon that is Chucky. Tonight, though, is the one I have been waiting for since ultimately I came up with the idea for Halloween Horror Fest because... If you listen to the witty banter between myself and Her Royal Highness, we, at a couple points during the Halloween episode, would go back and forth over the fact that her number one favorite horror movie, well, probably favorite hor favorite movie period of all time, is Halloween. And my favorite horror movie of all time is the movie we are going to be discussing in this episode. So, with that said, tonight we, if you could not tell from the intro music for this episode, we are going to be discussing the 1984 
Wes Craven classic, the greatest horror movie of all time. And if Amanda Kohlhofer thinks that her favorite movie is better than this one, then she and I will have to take it to the streets and we will see whose movie, whose favorite movie is ultimately the best. And I guarantee you it will not be Halloween. So, like I said, if you could not tell from the intro music, we will be discussing in this episode A Nightmare on Elm Street. So, I know normally we do the coming up on an evening at the movies at the end for the conclusion, but I do want to say that... um, After this episode, I will be recording the follow-up episode that will come this week and be dropped after this one. And that episode will be focused on A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 3, The Dream Warriors. So with that said, for those of you that were hoping I would do all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in order. For the most part, you're going to get what you wish for, with one exception. I apologize to those of you who truly, truly, truly wanted all, what, eight Freddy movies in order? Nine Freddy movies in order? If you include that shit show of a remake. But, not to judge, but um, no, this for our imper- for all intents and purposes, excuse me, we are going to push back my least favorite movie of the franchise. And well, it's probably one of my two least favorite movies of the franchise, being this one, well, being the remake and. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. And more than likely, I will probably pair those two together at the end of the Nightmare on Elm Street episodes. So you will get an episode of Freddy's Freddy's Revenge. It's not going to come for a while, though. We're going to push it back to the end of the line. And for the rest of it, we'll go one skip two, and then three, four, five, Freddy's Dead, New Nightmare, and then Freddy's Revenge, and the, yeah, remake. So, with that said, let's get going, because this is what I have been waiting for for a very, very long time. So... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, where we're going to start off with, and we will go from there. Nightmare on Elm Street 1 was released on November 16th, 1984. It was directed by the horror movie icon that is Wes Craven. It was released by New Line Cinema, otherwise known as The House That Freddy Built. It had a budget of $1.1 million. 
and had a box office in 1984 of $57,000,000, which in today's standards would translate to approximately $146.5,000,000. So realistically, that's not a bad box office to have made back in 84 or even by today's standards. Um, the main cast for the original movie had Heather Langenkamp playing Nancy Thompson, John Saxon playing Lieutenant Donald Thompson, of course, the iconic, and yes, at some point, more than likely will be inducted as an evening at the movie icon, Robert England as the man of your nightmares, Freddy Krueger as well as Nightmare on Elm Street introduced the world to the man who would become the Johnny Depp, who played Glenn. You had Ronnie Blakely, who played Marge Thompson. Amanda, forgive me because I'm probably going to mispronounce this name, but I'll give you two different pronunciations for it. But Amanda Weiss, Weiss, who played Tina, and Nick Corey, who played Rod Lane. So, ultimately, very, very quickly before we get into the discussionary part of this, um, the whole premise of Nightmare on Elm Street is you have a bunch of high school students who are being tortured by an entity in all of their nightmares. One by one, they all start to die off. Tina is drug across the ceiling of her bedroom and ultimately slashed by straight razors, which as we see in the opening of the movie is actually Freddy's claw. Uh, let's see. You have Rod who was arrested for killing his girlfriend, Tina, who is ultimately hung by Freddy in his jail cell. You have Nancy's boyfriend, Glenn, who becomes the volcano of blood from his bed <clears throat> at the end of the movie with the last fatality of the movie being Nancy's mom, Marge, who is attacked while Freddie is being reburnt, thanks to Nancy. And... Ultimately, she is end up kill, ends up getting killed by Freddy. So, also, at this point, I want to let you guys in on the fact that because of what we are doing and the fact that we are honoring horror movies this month and we are doing Halloween, Child's Play, Nightmare on Elm Street, and down the road, Friday the 13th, before the month is over, um, we are going to each franchise run a um, body count meter and total up with each episode what each franchise's killer is up to by the end of each episode's movie. So, with that said, as long as I have done my notes correctly, and I do believe I have, Freddy's body count by the end of Nightmare on Elm Street is up to a whopping four. 
after he kills March. Ultimately, what ends up doing Freddy in at the end of the movie is Nancy finally goes to sleep and pulls him out of the dream, there, out of her nightmare, the dream, whatever the case may be, whatever you want to call it. And then the final battle ensues with the chase through the house and Freddy getting attacked by all the booby traps. And ultimately, by the end of the chase through the house and Nancy trying to get her dad to come and help her from across the street while he's investigating Glenn's death, you end up with her mom getting attacked and ultimately dying. But once you get to the final climactic moment in the battle, what ends up doing Freddy in is the fact that Nancy turns her back on him and ultimately by not giving in to her fear and all of that, she ends up basically telling him he's shit and she takes back every ounce of power that she has ever given him. And because of that, he ends up disappearing into nothingness. So with that said, that is the basic plot to said movie. So ultimately, um, my thoughts on the movie as far as discussionary purposes go. Um, so let's look at the idea of the opening and the evolution of the story from opening scene to uh, the final payoff scene at the end into the fade to black roll the credits. Um, the movie opened with a shot of a drawn in shot. So you don't see the person's face, but you see somebody in a work shop working on a project. We'll say ultimately piecing together what would become the four fingers of death, otherwise known as Freddy's glove and follow that into the big, you know, reveal of the title of the movie. And as that fades out, we're literally right into Tina's first nightmare where she's basically introduced to the entity that is Freddy Krueger. Um, So, yeah, the movie starts off fairly quickly. You don't really have, I mean, for the most part, you're in getting introduced. You got introduced to most of the characters fairly quickly. Um, You don't really get into the backstory of everything that happened before this particular story started until about halfway into the movie where um, Nancy's mom takes her down into the basement and informs her of the story 
as to who Freddie is. And basically it unfolds that um, Freddy Krueger is a filthy child murderer. You heard that right. Not for, I know what the original script had originally designed it out to be. Yes, I understand that. It's not what's on film. Freddy Krueger is not a pedophile. He is a freaking murderer. There is a difference between the two, and it is what is on film, and that is what Freddy is. There realistically is no reason or need to classify him as a pedophile. It doesn't do anything more for the story. Leaving it with the fact that he is a child murderer is enough. Thank you very much. That is my opinion, and that is what I'm sticking to. So, but no, yes, Freddy is a filthy child murderer who kidnapped and murdered countless children in the neighborhood several years prior to the story starting. Ultimately, what it boils down to is the parents of the children, well, ultimately, Freddie is arrested for the murderers. He goes to trial he is set free on a technicality because somebody signed a search warrant for the wrong place. Therefore, they did not have the evidence to convict. So what you have is the parents of the children that were murdered decide to become a, for lack of a better term, lynch mob. They hunt Freddy down and find him stowed away in his boiler room. And then they light the place on fire and Freddy is burned alive from the outside in. So that is the nuts and bolts of the backstory for how Freddy got to where he is at the beginning of this movie. What you realize once... Marge starts explaining all this to Nancy is that herself and her ex-husband, separated husband, whatever their marriage dynamic is, along with Glenn's parents, along with Rod's parents, along with Tina's parents, are all a part of the mob that hunted Freddie down and burned him alive. Freddie has come back from the dead to seek his revenge by hunting down their children, Tina, Rod, Glenn, and Nancy, and trying to exact his revenge on the parents by using those kids' fears against them and ultimately killing them. So you get all of that unfolding at a fairly decent pace throughout the entire 90 some odd minute movie. And then you get, you know, your typical horror, you know, horror story one by one, you know, the different members of the cast are killed off, blah, 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 blah. And you get to the final battle with, like I said, Freddie chasing Nancy through the house and Nancy having booby trapped the entire house. And he's whacked with a freaking sledgehammer. He's got, Lamps exploding left and right all around him. He 
gets a um, mason jar of gasoline smashed over him and Nancy lights him on fire. Basically, it, it considering it's 1984 and with the amount of money that West was given in the budget, it's a pretty well done. It's not elaborate or obviously as well put together as what a final battle could be by today's standards because most of your movies are going to have a hell of a lot bigger budget than $1.1 million. But for the time, it was a well done, basic, but still decently epic final battle. So, with that said, um, like I said, the story progresses at a, at a pretty good pace from Tina's first nightmare through her death, through Rod's death, through the realization of who Freddy is, into Glenn's death, into Marge's death, into Freddy's death, and then you get to the twist at the end of the movie being um, Nancy walks out of her mother's bedroom, which ultimately miraculously just turns into her walking out of the front door of the house. And all of a sudden, her, all of her friends are alive again. Her mom's alive again. They're, you know, rainbow. It, it appears that there's going to be a rainbows and sunshine ending to the movie and Nancy goes off to go to school with her friends. She gets in Glenn's car and this big, she just, they're driving a convertible. The convertible roof comes down over the top. It's got the green and red stripes across it. Like Freddie's sweater, the windows roll up, the doors lock, the roof latches down mystically. And as everybody starts freaking out, you see sadistically Marge waving from the porch at them and the car takes off down the road with all of them trapped inside. Ultimately, then you have a gloved hand reach through the window on the door and pull Marge through the window to see the little girls in one of the yards down the street jumping rope and singing the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Blackout, roll the credits, end of movie. So it's, it progresses, like I said, well. Other movies I've seen particularly, well, there's even a movie in this franchise that doesn't progress this well from start to finish and drags along i've seen movies in other franchises as well that tend to can be very monotonous and slow paced and that and it can be hard to pay attention where for me you have to remember i saw this movie hmm fuck probably 86 ish 
So I was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of eight, nine years old at the time. So basically from start to finish, you've got a child of single digit age who is glued to the TV because obviously I was too young to go see it in the movie theater and literally sitting on pins and needles with each significant plot line coming up and being addressed and moving on to the next one and whatever, all the way through to the end. And basically by the end of the movie, I'm hooked for, yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, favorite character. I mean, this is going to seem dumb, but, and obvious, but for me, my favorite character obviously has to be Freddy. And, like when Amanda and I talked about this for Halloween, I kind of went a little off center and went with Dr. Loomis. I mean, Freddy is who this franchise is. If there is no Freddy, obviously there is no story. Um, personally, I'm of the opinion that the style of Freddy evolves throughout the first couple of movies but um ultimately freddy is who freddy is throughout the entire franchise there may be times where in one or two movies freddy is darker than he may seem in some of the later movies and truthfully i'm for the most part okay with that I mean, he's, I mean, it works for the story and especially when you start getting, we'll get into this with the next episode too as well, but, um, yeah, a, Robert really, I've seen a lot of interviews with Robert throughout my, you know, 40, 36 years of loving this franchise. And the way he so passionately talks about everything he went through to create this character and how much he loves this character and how much it means to him. I mean, The idea of getting cast in this role was um, a huge, to me it would seem like an actor's dream job to get this role because there really is no other that I can think of right off the top of my head entity like Freddy. So, um, you had to get to play a character where you literally have no reference point or very little reference point to work with. We'll go with that. 
it gives you a lot of creative liberty to do things that might not necessarily get the chance to be done if you're playing a character like, say, Dracula or Frankenstein or something that's been done repeatedly over and over again and there's a basic set expectations as to what the character should or should not be. So the work that Robert did to create Freddy, I sincerely tip my hat to him because to me, he created one of the greatest horror villains. Well, no, for other people's purposes, we'll label it as one of, for my purposes, he created the greatest horror villain of all time. So, um, my least favorite character, um, that's a hard question because I think to a certain extent, the, for the most part, all of the characters are needed to further the story. Um, I can't say I hate Tina. I can't say I hate Rod because both of those characters and their character traits are needed, especially in the beginning of the story before leading up to ultimately their murder. Um, obviously I can't hate Glenn. I won't hate Glenn as we've said before on other episodes of this podcast. I'm a huge 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 Johnny Depp fan and even back then when this movie came out there was just something about him the first time you meet him on camera that you just you knew that there was something about him that this was not just some run of the mill you know you may see him off and on throughout things you just had this gut feeling that there was going to be big things coming for him. By the time I had seen this, I don't think he had even gotten cast in 21 Jump Street yet. So, or he had, and I just hadn't seen it yet. Either way, <coughs> excuse me. But yeah, you knew something big was coming for Johnny. So then that basically leaves us with the parents. You don't ever officially meet Rod's parents, except for a brief on-camera moment at his funeral, which they don't ever even technically introduce them. You just kind of assume um, Tina's mom, you literally have a brief moment in time after her first nightmare where you get an interaction between herself and her daughter where, um, Tina wakes up screaming and her mom comes in to check on her and ultimately 
Tina finds that she has like slash marks in her nightgown. Her mom tells her that she either needs to cut her fingernails or stop having those kind of dreams. So you really don't get a whole lot of character from her mom. Just kind of the fact that maybe you can assume that, um, especially with the fact that she's taking off and running away for the weekend and leaving her daughter at home alone the weekend that ultimately she ends up getting killed by Freddy. She definitely has the feel of a potential absentee parent. So you have that. Then you have Glenn's parents who you get a little bit more from. Um, They have definitely have a feel of more, attentive to their son um there before glenn is sucked into the bed there's an interaction in his room between himself and his mom where she comes in and he's listening to his records and watching tv at the same time and she's like well how can you listen to your records and watch tv at the same time and he's like oh i'm not listening to the tube i'm just watching Miss Nude America and she's all like, well, how can you hear what she has to say? And he's like, I'm not watching for basically, I'm not watching for what she, who cares about what she has to say. Um, the only real revelation about his dad that you get is, um, right before, uh, Freddie attacks Glenn. Nancy tries to call the house. It's like midnight. Um, her mom answers the phone. Her dad walks over and he looks at his wife and like, who's on the phone. She looks back at him and she like, it's her. She wants to talk to Glenn. He takes the phone from her and he's like, oh no, Glenn's sleeping. You can talk to him tomorrow and basically hangs up and they start to walk away. And he's like, oh no, wait a minute. And then he takes the phone off the hook. So, that's ultimately what you get from him except for the brief moment of utter grief after his son's murder then you get the thompson parents you have alcoholic marge who is separated and or divorced from her husband donald and yeah Probably if I had to pick a least favorite character out of everybody in this movie, it probably would have to be Nancy's mom, just for the pure fact that she seems kind of uncharismatic. I mean, I know she's an alcoholic. I know she's dealing with probably still a lot of emotion from her child's murder back before they all killed off off Freddie the first time. Um, There's probably a lot of emotion that she's dealing with inside from the way her marriage is failing to Donald. So, um, but still at the same time, it, she still comes across to me as very, 
cardboard-ish. So she would probably be my least favorite of the entire cast. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a couple epic, well, at least I look at it as favorite lines from this movie. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's not run on speed. There's good lines throughout the entire movie, but you get the moments that everybody tends to grasp onto the most. And we already kind of got into one of them with, uh, the um, storytelling moment with Nancy and her mom when her mom finally caves in and clues her in to who exactly Freddie is. Um, towards the beginning of the movie, you get the scene where uh, Nancy falls asleep in class and ends up waking up and taking off from the class she's sees the ghostly figure of tina in a body bag being drugged down the hall she pursues after the body bag starts running down the hall ends up running into a quote-unquote hall monitor the hall monitor asks her where's your hall pass she looks back at her and says screw your pass and takes off running down the hall again. The hall monitor basically snaps. Hey, Nancy, she turns around and looks and it's a child, a female child version. Well, it's a female child wearing a red and green Freddy striped sweater with a claw on her hand. And she has one finger stuck up, wagging it back and forth. So she's like, hey, Nancy, no running in the halls. And Nancy, kind of bewildered, kind of wanders off into the next part of that scene. Um, and then, obviously, you get the coining of the main, probably most important line from the franchise and that would be whatever you do don't fall asleep so um let's see as far as fun facts for this movie um Basically, Wes Craven was inspired by a series of newspaper articles about quote-unquote death dreams that were reported by several, were reported about several Asian young men who later died in their sleep. The federal government even looked into this phenomenon back in 1981. Uh, let's see. Next up, Charlie Sheen's ego is basically the reason Johnny's Depp's career got started the way it did. Ultimately, Charlie Sheen was the first choice to play Glenn, but he ended up wanting too much money. So he ended up getting tossed away and Johnny Depp got offered the part. And therefore you have the career that is Johnny Depp. Um, phenomenally, 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street earned back its budget literally in the opening weekend in the first 72 hours that it was out in theaters. Uh, let's see. The last one is, ironically, um, Jackie Earl Haley auditioned for the part of Glenn, but in the end, it was given to his tag-along friend, Johnny Depp. So, ultimately, yeah, that was how Johnny got discovered. Ironically, 26 years later, after this movie was filmed, Jackie Earl Haley ultimately would go on to become, I guess if you want to say become, it is what it is, but he turned into Freddy, or what would become the post-Robert England Freddy Krueger. So, as far as my thoughts on the movie... Um, yeah, it, it's my number one favorite horror franchise of all time. I know when, if you listen to the Halloween episode, I made reference to the fact that, um, if Halloween kills delivers on the 15th, there's a very real possibility that Halloween could pass night run on the street as my favorite franchise. Upon further consideration of that, that is not going to happen. I Amanda talked about in that episode how much a part of her Halloween was. And for me, I feel the same way about Nightmare on Elm Street. So, so yeah, this movie is a huge part of getting me hooked into um, the genre that is horror movies. Um, If I hadn't fallen in love with Nightmare on Elm Street, I probably never would have checked out Psycho or Halloween or Friday the 13th or Child's Play or, I mean... I can't necessarily say as I wouldn't have gotten hooked on Stephen King because um, Stand By Me pretty much did that one in almost instantly. Once I saw that movie and read the novella, I was all in on King. But as far as, yeah, the movies go, yeah, Without Nightmare on Elm Street, there probably would be no love of the horror genre for me. And yeah, that truly would be tragic as much as I love horror movies. To not have that be a part of who I am. Yeah, I... Yeah, I wouldn't be the person I am today without. I mean, I don't want it to come across as, you know, I seem psychotic or creepy or whatever the case may be, because that's not what I'm trying to convey to you guys. But um, for a lot of things that I do, whether it's 
writing or just the way my mind works. And again, not in a creepy way necessarily, but you know, I just, I enjoy being scared. I enjoy the entities that is horror movies. So, to have to stop and think about realistically what I would rate this movie as much as this movie means to me truthfully I can go no lower than Five out of five horrific nightmares. It, to me, again, like I said, Amanda has her Halloween. I have my nightmare on Elm Street. And as much as we may talk trash back and forth and tease each other about it, Ultimately, I know as far as I'm concerned, I respect her feelings and her views on Halloween. And I'm pretty sure she respects and accepts my views on Nightmare on the Street. And ultimately, we're both okay with that. If you haven't seen Nightmare on the Street, and when I say Nightmare on the Street, I'm not talking about 2010. I'm talking about 1984 all the way up through um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Um, I highly recommend you find the original movie. I know, I believe it's streaming this month on Peacock. If you have the Peacock, then go check it out it's an awesome movie if you love horror and you haven't seen this movie i don't truly think you'll be disappointed it's not in a lot of ways it's like halloween 78 and friday the 13th and a lot of the stuff that came out in the 70s and 80s where it's not as in your face and slapping you in the face with the violence and the blood and the gore and the, all of that, like the torture porn era of horror has done. So if that's what you're looking for, then yeah, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, if you're looking for creative ways that a director will try to scare you and get into your head, then you will love the original Nightmare on Elm Street. It is a great movie, and like I said, I highly recommend it, and I am going to reward this movie with a Five out of five hellacious nightmare rating.
So, yeah, that is, <coughs> excuse me, guys, um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And I would like to, as always, thank the dozens for coming back and checking out this episode. I enjoyed do, recording it. I re- enjoyed talking about the movie. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Because ultimately you guys coming back and listening each and every week is the reason why I keep doing this show. And hopefully you guys will continue to keep coming back and listening. And I will keep churning out episodes week after week. As long as you guys want to listen, I want to talk. And like I said before, even if you guys don't want to listen, I will probably still want to talk. So... But yeah, so um, coming up on An Evening at the Movies, uh, this week, to wrap up week number two, we have, like I said earlier, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Um, Next week is going to be kind of a crazy, hectic experience, but um, Sunday night. October the 10th, Sunday, well, Sunday sometime, October the 10th, Miss Queenie is going to be returning to the podcast, and we are going to be discussing Halloween 2018, and I will, hopefully we can do a focus recording, and I can get that edited and dropped, I'm hoping by... Tuesday the 12th at the latest because the reason for that is I want to give you guys a couple of days to be able to get that episode listened to because on Friday, October 15th, is the release of Halloween Kills. And hopefully Amanda and I can get it figured out because... Well, you know what? I'm I don't recall us ever actually truly revealing what we're thinking about doing, but there is a huge plan for kills coming up and I think I will hold on to that revelation until um she and I do the 2018 episode on Sunday. And then when we get to the conclusion, I will reveal, hopefully have enough information to reveal how the next weekend episode of Halloween Kills is going to go. Because that will be the first time that we have ever done a brand spanking new movie on an evening at the movies. And I'm excited and hopefully this will all work out in the end so that if it goes like it's supposed to go it should be a really fun episode to do so after that we've got um the 17th i will be dropping uh episode on friday the 13th 2 and friday the 13th 3 the weekend after that we're possibly looking at 
the Universal Monsters being at least two or three out of the Universal Monsters. Um, definitely Dracula, definitely Frankenstein, um, possibly the Mummy or the Wolfman. At least three of those, maybe four. We'll see how the planning for each episode or for each of those movies goes and how we can cram that all into one movie. The um, surprise addition to the schedule that wasn't even thought of until basically two days ago is um, we're going to do, I'm going to be discussing that weekend and dropping an episode of one of my favorite cult classic horror movies, the monster squad. And then the last week of the month, you have um, the rest of, well, not the rest of, but um, yeah, Echo's birthday present will be recorded that weekend, which would be she requested an episode on The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, also that weekend, I believe the idea is Her Royal Highness will be back to discuss Psycho with us. And then you have the bridge episode that will bridge the gap between Halloween Horror Fest 2021 and next month's theme, which is going to be epic franchises. So if you have an epic franchise that you would like to have an episode done on, get in touch with me through social media and we will hopefully get your movie on the schedule and we will start getting prepped for that as well. So with that said, that's what we've got coming up. And as far as everything else, I'm glad you guys came back and listened. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as well, I hope you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good night, guys.